Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's been a while um, since I've been here. I kind of was afraid that I wasn't going to get asked back. That's always the, like, fear as a guest speaker. Like, I think it went good, but the only way to know for sure if they ask you back. So I'm here. Praise God. Um, Well, yeah, so I'm Nate. I'm happy to be here uh, with you guys. Um, We're going to be in John chapter 20, and if it's okay with you guys, we're going to just jump right in. Um, John chapter 20, um, beginning in verse 24. Um, We'll get to the text in just a moment. And I've I've had an epiphany uh, recently, and please don't judge me for this statement. And uh, I said this to somebody the other day, and they gave me a like kind of a disturbed look, and so I'm, I know we don't know each other very well, so just be gracious with me. Um, but I've had this epiphany recently that I'm not a person of big faith. Um, what I mean by that is, um, like I have friends that are dreamers and believe for big things, and you talk with them, and they just like, if you know the story in the Old Testament of Caleb in the mountain, and he's like, I'm just gonna take the mountain, and just a, a person of big faith. Um, I'm a person that has big doubts, Um, and uh, I'm so thankful for Jesus where he says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can do great things because a mustard seed, if you know, is tiny, Um, and so I just have realized, it's one of those things where like, it's been with me my whole life, and then have just been able to like identify it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, ah, that's your problem. You're a doubter. You have doubt, and uh, you guys aren't judging me, right? You're still with me? You guys are like, why is this guy speaking to us um, tonight? And, but honestly, I think for many of us, this is our story. We live with faith and doubt, and there are things uh, in faith and in our walk with God that seem like they don't go together or have, or, or have to go together, and that just isn't the case. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, fear and faith they don't cross each other out, fear and faith. You can actually do great things in faith while walking in fear. Um, Something like feelings and love, they don't have to go together. In our culture today, we associate love with feelings. And what the Bible really invites us into is a love that goes deeper than how we feel. And so those two things, they don't necessarily have to exist together. The same is true of skill and serving God that those two things actually don't have to go together. There's an old like preacher saying that God's not looking for able people, but available people. And there's this reality that God actually will use us even if we look at our lives and think, I don't have that much to offer. And the same is true, I think, with doubt and belief, that these two things don't actually cross each other out, that you can't, it's not like if you have doubt, then you don't have faith. But these two things, and for many of us, we, we walk in faith and in doubt together. And so I want us to sort of talk about how to live with doubt and faith. All right? Does that sound good? How do we live with doubt and faith? Um, this is the story of Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas. Um, so affectionately, I'm sure if the, the like, old church like fathers knew of my life, they would call me Doubting Nate. Um, But hey, here we are, Doubting Thomas. Um, And we're gonna learn from his doubting experience and how it leads to deeper faith. That's what we're gonna talk about. 
his doubting experience, and how it leads to deeper faith. Um, I've titled this message, if you want to write this down, Eight Days of Doubt. Eight Days of Doubt. All right, John 20, verse 24. You guys with me? You're there? Is it going to be on the screen as well? Is it? Cool, awesome. You guys are amazing. Shout out tech team. Um, all right, 2024 20, says this. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, all right, pause, because we're in the middle of a story. Um, contextually, what's happening is Jesus uh, was crucified, and then Jesus on Sunday rose from the dead. And now he has revealed himself to different people. He revealed himself first to a woman named Mary in the garden. She went back and told the apostles, and they were like, I don't believe you. And then Jesus showed up. And we're told that the doors were locked. They were afraid. Um, and then Jesus showed up to them. So that has already happened. He's revealed himself to Mary. He's revealed himself to some of the disciples. But then it says Thomas wasn't there. So when Thomas showed up, they, they said this to him. We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, I love this, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. So Thomas goes on a journey of belief to doubt, um, and what we would call, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, deconstruction, and then to faith again. So that's Thomas's journey. He goes from faith to doubt to deeper faith. And for most of the disciples, Jesus was only dead for three days. Um, for Thomas, Jesus was dead for three days plus these other eight. Right, because G, he showed up late that Sunday. We don't know why he wasn't there. And, and in fact, the Bible doesn't even really condemn him from not being there. They're just like, Thomas was, wasn't there. We have no idea why he just didn't show up. He shows up late. Imagine the conversation. Right, like, oh, where were you, buddy? Jesus was here. Like, that is a, a good word for us, why we don't miss church. Right, like, there we go. I'm just kidding. But anyways, um, so, so Thomas shows up, and they're like, Dude, Jesus was here. Like, he, you just missed him. And then he says, he, maybe shocked or maybe still hurt by what he, he's experienced or whatever the reason, he says, I, I don't believe that. And I'm not going to believe that unless, and he gives a condition for his faith. And often in life, we go through this journey. We go from faith to doubt and hopefully with the goal for deeper faith. And what I want us to understand is that first, it's okay to have doubt. And maybe you, you grew up in such a way that like doubt was, is like we just sort of laugh at Thomas for being doubting Thomas. And, and doubt is just kind of like this ew word. We're faith people. We don't doubt. We believe big things. And let me just hopefully like as a pastor release you from that thought and say it is okay to doubt. It is okay to have doubt, but listen, in our doubt, we can encounter Jesus in a new way. It's 
not only okay to have doubt, but I would say it's common for people with faith in God to begin to have doubts about what they believe, why they believe, or how they believe. I think it is not only okay, but it's common for people that have faith to begin to doubt what they believe, why they believe, or how they believe it. I, I spoke um, a similar teaching uh, on this text uh, in our main service at our church um, for Good Friday. And I had a woman come up to me afterwards who was probably in her 70s. Um, and she said that she uh, was married for about 50 years. Her husband passed recently. And one of the things that she holds on to is uh, the fact that she'd see him again. And she has faith because they were both followers of Jesus that she would see him again. And she said recently she was, she was walking by. She has a photo of him on her nightstand. And uh, she said she doesn't usually look at it um, because it's hard for her. Um, but she said she looked at it and she thought like, man, I'm going to see you again. And then she said in that same moment she was, had this thought that said, if this is all true. And I hope this is all true. And she had this like real moment of doubt and she came up to me after the teaching and just said, thank you for teaching about doubt um, because it's released me from the thought like, I can like you can have those moments of doubt. Like it is common for followers of Jesus to have doubt, but it's important that we recognize what it is so that we can move through it the way that God intends for us to move through it. Because we're living in the age of deconstruction. For you guys, for, for many of us, this is a theme or an idea that we hear all the time right now. Now, deconstruction, construction is building, right? Construction is, is to build something. Um, deconstruction is to undo it, right? It's to break something down. Um, and I would say construction is much more difficult than deconstruction. Like we did a renovation at our church uh, a couple years ago where we leveled two buildings and then built a, a new sanctuary in the middle of it. Um, and I got the phone call, me, I got the phone call for demo day. I got the phone call for demo day. I showed up and I threw a baseball through a window. It was awesome. My, my cousin, he put, a, um, he put a helmet on and uh, he had a Razor scooter and he rammed the Razor scooter into one of the walls like the Kool-Aid man. Um, and uh, we, were, we were deconstructing what was built. I did not get the phone call for construction day. They, didn't, they left me out of that call. I, I, I offered my services, they weren't interested. Because, because deconstruction is easier than construction. Now, this happens for us and it's caused by viewed problems or flaws, and the solution is to break it all down. And this is the, this is the age that we're living in, um, from family to gender to politics to the church and even our own personal faith. We're, we're breaking it down. We're tearing it apart. But there's a way for us to have doubt and not deconstruct and actually arrive at deeper faith. That's, that's what I want us to get to, because I want us to all recognize that we go through seasons, and I don't think it's just one moment like you don't just have one moment where you doubt and then you move on and I don't doubt anymore. But this is something we all walk through as we have faith in God. And so how can we not only do it once but learn the practice and the rhythm of going through doubt into deeper faith? So that's what we're gonna break down for us tonight. Sound good? All right, number one, we're gonna talk about this. What causes doubt? What causes doubt? 
Now, there are a lot of things that can cause doubt. For Thomas, it was both his bad circumstance and his disappointment that caused doubt, right? His, his bad circumstance was, was, I thought Jesus was gonna set up a kingdom. Like, I believe that this Jesus was Messiah and he was actually gonna set up a kingdom here and now. And not only was he gonna set up a kingdom here and now, but I was gonna participate in that kingdom here and now. And so now, not only is Jesus not setting up a kingdom, but he was just murdered and all of his followers are now spreading and hiding because we thought we were gonna be this, this new empire and now we're hiding in a, in a room with the doors locked because we're afraid of Rome. So bad circumstance, right? Again, I thought it was gonna go like this and now it's not and I'm hiding, um, but also because of disappointment. He had his hope, his expectation in, in Jesus. He was the guy. He had done all of these miracles. We had, seen, we had heard all these messages. We, we'd walked with him for three and a half years as he did all of these, the, these godly things. And now, now he's gone, and I'm disappointed. And so for Thomas, his doubt was caused by a circumstance and his disappointment. He believed God to be some way and do something in his mind, it didn't happen, and now he's in a bad situation. And for us, it can be many of the same things. I'm gonna give us um, four causes, I think, of doubt. Number one um, is difficulty or bad circumstances. Difficulty is something that causes doubt in our relationship with God. Or um, maybe not even in our relationship with God, but it causes doubt um, as to why we should have a relationship with God. Bad circumstances. Often when we go through bad things, when we go through bad things, because it's not an if, it's a when. When we go through bad things or hard things, we think a couple of thoughts. Either God doesn't care about me or God can't help me. Because there's like this kind of interesting I don't know, parallel that's, that happens when we go through bad things because we think, okay, if God cared about me, he would help me. I wouldn't be walking through this. I wouldn't have lost that relationship or I wouldn't have had to walk through this trial or I wouldn't have been experiencing this pain or this whatever it is. And so we think God must not care about me because if he cared about me, he'd intervene. Or, or we think, okay, Maybe he does care about me, but maybe he can't help me because if he could help me, he would help me. And because I'm walking through this, this must mean God can't help me. You see what I'm saying? Either God doesn't care or God can't help. And this is usually sort of the, the, where we arrive at when we're going through bad times. And because of that, it causes us to doubt who God is and what he can do. Right? God, I thought you were a God of love, and I thought you were a God of compassion, and I thought you were a God that cared about me. Um, or, God, I thought you were a God of, of power, and we sing songs like, nothing's impossible for you, and you never lose. And we read stories in the Bible of you doing all of these amazing things, and yet here I am in my difficulty, and I don't feel like you see me, or you care about me, or you're there for me. And so we doubt. God, I thought you were like this, but now my experience makes you look like this, and so what are you actually like? Bad circumstance caused doubt. Another thing that causes doubt is what I would call doctrine or misunderstanding God. Sometimes uh, the thing that 
can, the things that can cause doubt in God is um, actually what we find in the Bible. Um, maybe it's weird Bible stories, and there's lots of those. There's lots of, like, if you've read the Bible, you would know that there are a lot of weird Bible stories that you're just like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like there's been, we, I do a, a, like a discipleship group on Tuesday afternoon, and one of the questions I've been, I've been asking them is, is, what are things you don't like about the Bible? Like, let's just talk, because those, those are a lot of the things that drive wedges, especially in young people, um, about God, is, is they don't get it, and so they, they have thoughts about God. And so I told him one of the things I don't like about the Bible. The end of the book of Judges, I don't get it, and I don't like it. If you, have, if you haven't read it, I, I don't even know if I would encourage you to read it. Like, that's how I feel about it. It's just hard and difficult, and, and the point, I get the point, like Pastor Brian can tell you the point, like it's showing us the wickedness of man because they're, they're doing everything that's right in their own eyes and not following God. Like I can articulate that, like I get it. But at the same time, it's like, it's hard, it's weird, it's confusing. And can I tell you that doctrine or misunderstanding God and the weird stories in the Bible are a, a real reason for people to doubt God. And maybe it's not weird Bible stories, but maybe it's not understanding the actions of the people in the Bible or even God in the Bible. And what happens is rather than seeking answers to those, we have our doubts about God, we come to our conclusions about God, and we turn away. Because there, there, there's things in the Bible that you're like, wait a second, I thought God was like this. And this situation or this response makes me think that maybe God's a different way. And so who is he and what happens? Listen, we need complete doctrine and theology, and we need good doctrine and theology. Doctrine is, is the study of Bible. Uh, theology is the study of God. And we need, we need to understand the totality of God's word and God's character. And listen, let me tell you, that doesn't happen overnight. We live in uh, like a microwave society um, and, or we use, or, or like the, the smartphone society where we need everything now, right? And so like if Wi-Fi is not working, we switch to LTE and like then it'll, it'll happen faster. And like we need everything right now, here and now. And sometimes like our view on God, we will jump to conclusions because it's immediate rather than being patient and actually learning through relationship, through questions, through the church, through all of that, that actually allows us to arrive at a good and solid conclusion about who God is and what he does. But doctrine, misunderstanding God, is a real reason for many people that have, that have had faith to have doubt in God. Um, the third thing I would say is disappointment or specifically hurt from the church. Disappointment or hurt from the church. A very common thing that causes doubt in God is disappointment with the church. In fact, this, this week, Wednesday, yesterday, was that, yesterday was Wednesday, right? Yesterday, I was studying for today. I'm sitting at my computer, like typing away, right? Writing, like highlighting my jokes in green, because I do that, 
okay? So you're like, you're joking. I'm not joking. That joke wasn't here in the notes, though, so you can relax. Um, but uh, so I'm typing, and uh, one of the, the office administrators come, comes over and says that, I, that a, a girl just tried to call the office. She's trying to get a hold of you. Um, so I call this person back, and she is in the thick of what we're talking about right now, doubt and deconstruction. And she was like, she's kind of like the perfect storm for it. She was a, grew up in a conservative Christian family, went to an evangelical uh, Christian conservative church. She graduated high school. She had a few experiences along the way in high school and after high school in the church that hurt her. And, and some of the things she expressed to me, she was, she was right to be hurt. Things were, were not handled right. People mistreated her. And then she's graduated high school. She's now going to a, a progressive liberal school um, studying liberal arts, and she is questioning everything. She, it's just, it's the perfect storm. And, and I just, I, I'm not joking. I was like writing this in my notes, and I get this phone call. And the, the, the primary cause for her and what she was dealing with was disappointment and hurt from the church. She, the words she kept using is she felt like nobody was protecting her. And let me tell you, that, that is a real reason, whether it's because of people in the church or leadership failure in the church or even a church lacking empathy or action on situations. Sometimes, like, one of the things is people watching the church respond, whether it's to things going on in our world around us and situations or people's personal issues and watching the church not respond. And you think, like, wait a second. Isn't the church supposed to be doing something? And it's hurt by the church, the people of God, that can actually cause disappointment and frustration for us. What I, what I encouraged her with and what I want to encourage us with when it comes to that type of situation is we need to look at it from the top down, not the bottom up. And what I mean by that is it's easy for us to look at God through the lens of our hurt and through the lens of the church rather than looking at the church and our hurt through the lens of God. Does that make sense? So, so we can kind of go like, God must be like this because God's people are like this. Or God's must be, God must be like this because I've experienced this. Rather than going, do you know what? God actually speaks on those situations. God actually has compassion on these types of things. And God actually cares and looking at it from the top down. But disappointment from the church can cause doubt. All right, fourth thing. Is this helping? Is this making sense? All right, the fourth thing is disconnection. What I mean by that is really not going to church. This is probably the primary cause of doubt for young people. They get out of fellowship, they get into a college classroom or around a group of friends, and they either think that they don't need God, they've evolved past God, or they don't think about God at all. That, that, that is just like, to kind of like hopefully just speak to it and like let the air out of it a little bit. Like the reality is people have doubts in God when they stop thinking or caring or being in relationship with God. They're, they're, it's this group of friends 
or this professor really had a lot of interesting things to say, or, or I'm just busy and I'm working or I'm, I'm going to school and I'm walking through this and I'm just, just not really thinking about God. And then when stuff happens in our life or people ask questions or we see things, then we have doubts in God because we're disconnected from God. And these are all reasons why we experience doubt um, in our life. All right, so second thought, we're going to hopefully get to a conclusion. I'm just kind of like, we're talking about stuff, okay? How long do I have? Is there a time? Eight? Or just go as long as I want? All right, I'm going to go forever then. So we're going to old school till midnight, the whole thing. All right, no, um, I'm just kidding. I Maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. All right, point two. We talked about what causes doubt. The second thought is this. What does doubt cause? What does doubt cause? Um, for Thomas, it caused him to make a condition for his belief. He needed to see the proof. Because doubt, listen to me, doubt will cause faith in something. Nobody has no faith. Everybody has faith in something because we're all trying to get somewhere we've never been before. All right, so we all have faith in something, whether it's faith in um, this degree that will get me that good job. Um, it's faith in the, the people that have gone before us that are saying, hey, this is a good route to take. Um, it's faith in the paycheck. We all have faith in something. Um, and so, but, and doubt, doubt in God will cause you to place faith in something else. And for Thomas, it was faith in his own eyes and understanding, right? He says, I will never believe unless, right? Here's, here's now my condition for my faith. I see it. I hold it, I understand it. When that happens, then I will have faith once again. Because he is rejecting the words of Jesus, right? Because Jesus like spoke when he was alive, like, hey, this is gonna happen. I'm gonna die and I'm gonna rise again. Like if you read through the gospels, Jesus said it a number of times. So it wasn't that like out of left field that Jesus died. Um, and he said things like, hey, they, they hate me. They're going to hate you. Like, I'm going to be persecuted, and so will you. <laughs> like he just, so Thomas is rejecting the words of Jesus and the testimony of the church, right? Because he shows up to church, and the disciples are like, he's alive. And he's like, I don't believe it. So the, the words of Jesus, the testimony of the church, and he is now basing his faith solely on what he sees and understands. So his faith, what he is placing faith in, is no longer the words of God or the testimony of the church. He is now placing his faith in his own understanding and his own experience. Does that make sense? And so it caused him to have condition to his faith. And doubt often leads us to either action to move through doubt or acceptance of our doubt. Because there's actually good doubt and bad doubt, depending on what it leads to. There's good doubt and there's bad doubt, depending on what it leads to. Doubt can lead you to actually reconstruction of deeper faith, or doubt can lead you to destruction of your faith. All right, I'm going to bring, I'm going to like kind of 
nerd out a little bit and bring up a slide, right? I sent you that slide. Um, could we bring up the one, do we have that? Cool, let's bring up the one that has doubt in the center. Do we have that one? Cool. Okay, so this is like my nerd graph. My brother Trevor, who's a graphic designer, did it. It looks pretty cool. All right, nerd graph. So construction um, is what we would call as-is beliefs. And what I mean by that is for many of us, we were handed a belief. Um, it was handed to us either from our family, like if you were raised in a Christian family, you were given a, a origin of your faith, like, hey, this is what we believe. Um, others of you, you didn't grow up in that, but you were handed a faith um, because of your church or because of your youth group or because of the harbor, and you've been given it's sort of your like faith family of origin, and you re, and when you're when you first place faith in Jesus, there's many of the things about God you just you take them as they are. This is what you've been handed, and it just okay, perfect, I get it. As is beliefs. What happens? What tends to happen is is we then go through a process of whether it's through our experiences or maybe it's through unpacking God's word or we're, we're living our life, we're having a conversation, we listen to a podcast, whatever it is, um, we begin to deconstruct some of those things that we've been handed. Right? So there's some idea in the Bible or some teaching or, or some experience that we've had. We've received it at one point. We're like, okay, whatever, I just believe it. And then your experience or whatever caused you to to doubt or question, questions are great, having those conversations, but you begin to doubt. When you have doubt and when you accept your doubt, usually what happens, what it leads to is destruction of faith. Where you say, not only am I going to deconstruct it, am I going to take it apart, but I don't need it anymore. I don't need it anymore because I understand more of life I've evolved past this idea. I don't need this anymore. Or I found answers that make more sense to me and I am choosing to trust in those things over, over what I had believed. And so what happens for many of us, and I say us because, because I've walked through things like this, but we have our faith, we have our questions, and then where does that lead us to? Now, this, the next slide is this. You can go construction, uh, with faith in the center. Do we have that one? Oh, oh, there it is. Construction that leads to deconstruction where we take it apart. But when there's belief, when, there's, when, there's, when we're accepting what God might be doing in us, because what I'm trying to say is sometimes, sometimes the faith that we've been handed is imperfect. What I mean by that, I'm not talking about, okay, don't lose me, all right? Brian, stay with me, okay? Um, so I, I think, I'm not going to lie to you. Last time I came here, I taught um, on the book of Genesis. Do you remember that? Um, and I felt like I word vomited, like I had so many thoughts swirling in my mind. Um, and I feel the same way tonight. Like I feel like, sorry guys, just like, bleh. Hopefully it makes sense. See you later. Um, so I apologize if that's the case. But um so, so construction is, is sometimes in, in what, we've, what we've received, sometimes it's, it's imperfect. There's things that we actually need to learn um, for ourselves about who God is and what God's doing. 
And so you can, you can be like, maybe you, were, you, you grew up in a church or in a family, and, and they were, maybe, maybe your family was super legalistic, right? And it was, it was very rigid, and this is what you have to do because that is what God's going to bless you for, and it's very legalistic. And then you, you're, you're reading God's word, and you're like, man, God seems like very gracious and, and compassionate, and, and, and then you're like, whoa, maybe, maybe the faith that I've been handed, maybe there's some things that I need to grow through. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, so you begin to, to use that, that word, deconstruct what you've been handed. But when you go to it in faith, and when you go through it in, in I want to ultimately arrive at a deeper level of faith in God, what actually happens is reconstruction of a deeper understanding of who God is and what God is doing in our life. And so doubt can cause for us, it can either cause for us doubt and destruction, where we give up, we abandon, we move past it, we don't need that anymore, or it can cause deconstruction into deeper faith, where we actually go, I've done the work. I've done the digging. I've asked the questions. I've sought those answers. I've had those hard conversations. I've walked through those things and actually now arrive at a place where I have deeper faith in God because I have a more of an awareness of who he is and what he's doing, even in the parts that I don't understand. Because if you can get to a point in faith where you're like, I don't need to make sense of that. Jesus, remember what Jesus said to Thomas? He's like, wow, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe who haven't seen, who can arrive at a place and just go, do you know what, God? I don't need all the answers to these questions. I don't need everything to be tied up in a little bow with like God's signature and saying like, this is perfect. I get it all now. I can actually have enough faith in God to walk through things that I don't fully understand about him. Um. I, there's a book called After Doubt that has really helped me walk through this. It's by a guy named uh, Dr. A.J. Swoboda. So if you're looking for a, a book that just really kind of breaks this stuff down, After Doubt. Just came out in the beginning of the year. It's incredible. Um, but he makes a statement that's profound and a little jarring. He says, Jesus doesn't call us to like him. Jesus calls us to follow him. And, and, and now I'm going to be honest with you, I really like Jesus. I think he is so cool. I think his, his, the four biographies that we have about him, the Gospels, he is, is so interesting and compassionate and honest and caring and intense in all the right ways and focused and driven and and relational, like in Luke's gospel, Jesus, people say that in Luke's gospel, he is either eating on his way to a meal or having just left a meal. Like he's always, he literally eats his way through Luke's gospel. And like he's just, Jesus is just so cool and interesting to me. But, but one, that statement, that thought of, of, I don't have to necessarily agree or like everything that Jesus says to follow him as Savior and as Lord. So where, what does uh, 
doubt caused. It can either cause deeper faith or it can cause destruction of faith. All right, last thing is this. Where does doubt lead? Where does doubt lead? I'll close with this thought. For Thomas, it led him back to Jesus into deeper relationship and faith. And our goal whenever we experience doubt is to always uh, get closer to God and who he is. Oh, I didn't realize this. I put a, a A.J. Swoboda quote in my notes. Awesome. Uh, he says this um, in After Doubt. We are not called to love the God we want, but the God who is. We're not called to love the God we want, but the God who is. Our goal, whenever we experience doubt, is always to get closer to God and who he actually is. Thomas was just short of seeing Jesus. He was just short of it. For whatever reason, he wasn't there. When he does show up, the other disciples are overjoyed to share with him the news of their risen Lord, but Thomas doesn't believe he needs more evidence. So, what happens? Thomas lives eight days in his doubt. He left. He showed up. Oh, Jesus was here. And he's like, I don't believe it. I'm out of here. Eight days he walks through. We, we, don't, we don't know what that looks like, but we know he left. He's probably stewing, questioning, contemplating, blaming. Usually when it comes to doubt, the longer we're in it, the more we descend into doubt, skepticism, and cynicism. Right? The longer we stew in our doubt. So Thomas lives eight days of this. But then eight days later, he encounters Jesus. Notice exactly what he says. He's, Jesus says, peace to you. And then he said, to, uh, this is 26 and 27. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. This is exactly what Thomas stated eight days earlier. Right? Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe unless I place my hand in the holes where the nails were and I feel the, 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 the wound on his side. Then I'll believe. And Jesus, probably not sarcastic or rude or like, oh, you said, probably with, with grace and love and a dot desire for Thomas to have faith again. He says, okay, here you go. Reach your finger. Look, here it is. This is what you asked for. Because Jesus cares about our doubts. There's no shame or judgment for a follower of Jesus walking through doubt. We all walk through doubt. But notice a couple of important things for Thomas um, and Thomas' doubt that will help us walk through this doubt. One, he gave a realistic proof for his doubt. A realistic proof. What I mean by that is he wanted to see the resurrected Lord. Which is not absurd given the fact that his friends just said, we saw the resurrected Lord. Right? For Thomas to go like, I want to see him. That's not crazy. That's like pretty normal. I, hey, we just saw him. I want to see him. That was basically his reaction. We often with doubt give God or others unrealistic ways that we would believe again. God, if you paint the sky red, I'll believe you. Well, it's like, well, God doesn't usually do that. You know what I mean? God's not like, okay, fine. He like hits the paint bucket brush, picks red. He was like, click. Okay, there you go. Do you believe me now? No, Thomas gave a realistic proof for his doubt. He said, I want to see the resurrected Lord. And so I think, I think one, for us to walk through doubt, we have to give realistic proof for it. Secondly, he came back to church. Right? His doubt led him back to the people of God. 
It says that eight days later, they were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. That is, honestly, to me, that's pretty profound. Because especially in, like, our cancel culture and write people off and just be done with people, like, for Thomas to just go, like, I don't believe you guys. I'm going to leave for a week. And then he, like, hey, guys, I'm back. Um, he, he shows back up. He stays. Doubts do us damage when we abandon the people of God. And all of this, his, his, his experience made way for deeper faith. Thomas moves out of doubt and into deeper faith. Worship team, you guys can come up here. Um, with, with, once he has that revelation, Thomas makes this statement when he sees Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. Right? Now, this is a profound statement of who Thomas now knows Jesus to be. He recognizes him both as Lord and as God. This is actually a really important scripture for us today. This is a verse that apologists use for the validity of Christ's deity. What I mean by that is, is this is a verse that stamps for us that Jesus was not just like a good guy or a prophet, but he was actually God himself because both the apostles and the New Testament writers and the early church recognized Jesus as God. And this is one of the clearest statements in the New Testament of one of the original followers of Jesus to make that claim, my Lord and my God. So it wasn't like, you know how telephone, like over time, things like change and distort? And it's not like over time people were like, actually, you know, Jesus wasn't just this good dude. He actually was God. Let's tell people that. All the way back from the beginning, Thomas goes, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. And notice Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's only for God the Father. Jesus, he accepts that as worship. And Thomas makes that declaration. He moves from doubt and unbelief to deeper faith and one of the most profound declarations of who Jesus is. For many of us, we must learn to walk in faith and doubt. Doubt isn't an excuse to give up, but an opportunity to encounter the Lord in a new way. Maybe you're walking through that tonight. Maybe you've Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you're going through a difficult circumstance. Maybe you've been out of fellowship. Maybe there's just disappointment or whatever it is in your life that has caused you to, to doubt who God is. Can I encourage you to, one, not give up, ask hard questions, but keep showing up, and, and trust that maybe some of the questions that we have are actually going to take a lifetime to answer. You can't Google it, and it can't be the first recommended answer. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of like whatever I read or learn first, that's what I believe. And I'll argue with people like, then they're like, no, 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 Nate, that's like, that's old. They like, Mythbusters prove that that's not true. Like you need to move, but I heard it first. Like that's what I, you know what I'm saying? And so sometimes we like, we Google our answers or we ask a friend and they're kind of confused and then we get this weird answer or this, and it causes like, ah, and then that's what we believe and we're like just confused now. Some of these things we have to walk through for a long time, ask questions and see what God wants to reveal to us. So you can have faith and doubt, but our goal is to move from doubt into deeper faith. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your long suffering and your patience with us. 
Lord, we thank you that you don't give up on us. You're not, you're not ashamed of us and you don't, um, you're not frustrated when we, when we sort of get sidetracked and we stop having faith in you and start doubting or having faith in other things. And God, you don't, you don't give up on us, but God, you call us, you invite us back into deeper relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to choose you, help us to choose to trust in you, in your word, the testimony of the church, Lord, the the things that we've experienced um, as to who you actually are over, Lord, maybe what we are learning or experiencing or walking through or our disappointment. God, we pray that we would, Lord, learn to trust in you more. So, God, give us grace as we walk through this. Give us grace for one another. And um, help us to choose you each day. Lord, your word tells us to deny our cross, or excuse me, deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow after you. And Lord, for some of us, we need to deny our, our, our understanding in the sense of making sense of everything. We have to say, I am choosing to follow you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.